Welcome to Financial Planning Explained. I'm your host, Mike Menninger, Certified Financial Planner, owner and founder of Menninger & Associates Financial Planning. I'm joined today by two of my staff, uh, Ryan Keefe to my furthest right and Kyle Ryan to my immediate right. Um, what do I say? We're going to be talking about our investment policy and our investment philosophy. Uh, two weeks ago, I guess probably every couple months, we bring in um, uh, investment gurus, if that's right, typically uh, chartered financial analysts, CFAs, those guys are the highest in this industry. Uh, and recently, uh, we hired a company to serve as our uh, chief investment officers who do a lot of the research and we bounce everything off of them. And so uh, they helped us with developing or at least formalizing our investment policy or investment policy statement or investment philosophy. So I figured what we would do today is take the time to kind of just talk about how we invest our client assets. And just to give you an idea, we currently manage about $160 million in assets for our clients. So uh, probably 80 to 90% of it, right, is, is retirement assets. Mm -hmm. And trust me when I tell you, when you're managing clients' retirement assets, you can't be messing around. Okay, so um, what I'd like to do is pop up our investment philosophy really covers 10 different things. And one could go onto our website and you'd be able to see what those things are. But what it is is uh, we are fiduciaries. Uh, we believe in diversification, customization, active management, research, protection, tax awareness, time horizon, invest over the long term, and continuous monitoring. What we'd like to do is take a few minutes uh, today and kind of go over, and what we'll do is we'll pop these back up on the screen uh, periodically so you can see it. So fiduciary, that's a common question that's asked, are you a fiduciary? And it, very simply, a fiduciary is one who puts their client's best interests first. Right. And you know, I know as CFPs, we're required to be fiduciaries, but the reality of it, the way I see it, maybe because I'm sort of more pure in that regard, if you always do what's best, you just always do what's best for clients. Mm -hmm. If only everybody in our industry did that. It would save us a lot of uh, time and compliance yeah, no issues. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, exactly. If everyone behaved that way. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and, and the funny part about it is that they, they will change the rules to make it more stringent, to try to, uh, by the way, I believe in compliance. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the of purpose of compliance is to protect the general public mm -hmm. from the slime balls. Right. And the reality of the situation is that they'll change rules to make it more stringent, but if you're a really good slime ball, which most of them are, they still know how to skirt the rules. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because you s we work in an industry that is uh, almost like another language to the general population. So a lot of times when people don't understand the verbiage, the vernacular, what they're looking at, it's very easy for them to be misled. And you know that's where you get, you run into the slime balls who oh, yeah. take and advantage of make it that. easy, you know, they throw all these uh, mumbo jumbo alphabet soup word yeah. acronyms and everything else like that. And then we also have the Bernie Madoffs. You know, and right. unfortunately uh, Bernie Madoff put a real um, black eye in the industry mm -hmm. um, and you know, ended up going to jail and everything else like that. And, you know, then they have movies on it. And by the way, legitimately, people ask, well, what's to prevent you being the next Bernie Madoff? 
And that and would be our compliance department. Well, right. uh, beyond our own moral. <laughs> right. Well, exactly. And, you know, and, and so let's talk about that. Bernie Madoff, unlike us, mm -hmm. we have people overseeing it. Right. And so with people overseeing us, we're not the ones who are producing statements. Okay. It's actually a third party uh, who produces the statements. Now, my understanding is that Bernie Madoff was collecting money and just fabricating statements every month. He was producing mm -hmm. his own statements. He was a chair on the oversight committee, which was supposed to prevent exactly what he was doing. So <laughs> yeah, with compliance, right? Yeah, so I just if, heard that if the you're other day. sitting on the board of the organization that's supposed to oversee your wrongdoing, you might be able to have a sway in making sure they don't look at you. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's the, the true sense of the fox watching the hen house. Right. Yeah. So diversification. Uh, uh, before we yeah, yeah. move on from fiduciary, you know, there's a lot of ways with which people can be taken you know, advantage of because they don't know that their advisor or the person selling them a product isn't acting in a fiduciary capacity. Mm -hmm. You can get, you know, someone could be charging you ridiculous commissions on something you don't need. And more importantly, what we run into is acting in a fiduciary standard is just understanding and working with the client through, you know, questioning, open-ended questioning is just understanding risk tolerance, not doing what they wouldn't want to do with their money. A lot of people I've found don't even know what's going on with their investments when they want to, and that's, you know, just another another way in which you know you can that's what you want an advisor someone who is there on the same team as you and is looking out for your best interests of course right. and you know unfortunately a lot of the advisors are selling high commission products and yep. stuff like that and you know anyway that's a problem so diversification fundamentally is um, uh, and I know we argue as to which is the most important not most important I mean they're all important but diversification fundamentally is is how we invest the reality of it is that I'm sure we've all heard and used the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And by diversifying, it does not necessarily eliminate risk, but generally speaking, if you have uh, a basket of 20 different investments, maybe overkill, but let's just say you have 20 different investments, if you do it properly, that each of the 20 is independent of the other 19, right. whereby what might affect one investment might not affect the others. And therefore, if that's the case, then not all 20 are up at the same time, not all 20 are down at the same time. And most importantly is if you have investments that are down, the ones that are up are gonna pull it up. And what it does is it doesn't eliminate risk, but it certainly reduces risk. Right. And in our industry, they measure risk in mathematical terms, standard deviation. I like to talk about jumping up and down. If you can get from point A to point B and you're earning a defined percentage, would you rather get from point A to point B on the roller coaster ride or on a straight line? If it's a straight line, then that's low standard deviation, which is considered to be low risk. Unfortunately, the reality of it is that if you want to get a higher rate of return, it usually comes with a higher level of risk. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. So, but the whole idea again is diversifying. So in our world, you diversify investments. You got stocks, you got bonds, mm -hmm. you got domestic investments, international investments. You got large caps, you got small caps, large companies, and small companies. Mm -hmm. and then you got value, you got growth, and they generally behave differently. And conceptually, you put them all in the same portfolio, and you're going to provide some level of balance. Now it's kind of funny. Um, I know you guys didn't see this, but we used to come across in the late 90s. I've got great diversification in my 401k. 
I got five different investments. This growth fund, this growth fund, <laughs> this growth fund, this growth fund, and this growth fund. Yeah. And you ask, well, why did you pick these? Well, they're the five best performers <laughs> last year. Well, no kidding, growth had a rally. Yep. Right. How'd you do this year? <laughs> <laughs> Not as good. <laughs> Not quite as good, exactly. So again, that's diversification. And, and a lot of times what we come across is when people retire from their companies, a lot of times they have a large percentage of their retirement assets in one specific holding, usually their company stock, that we then have to kind of not say that your baby's ugly, but say, hey, let's, let's diversify this risk a little bit, because God forbid something ever happens to that company and your stock price goes way down, you know, your, your, look, your retirement plan is looking a whole lot different than oh, yeah. it was the day and you retired. We've had that discussion with a couple clients, and usually right. what happens is those same clients are always drinking the Kool-Aid. Yep. Well, my company's been really good for 30, 40 <laughs> years, and it, the stock has done nothing but gone up and so on and so forth. And, you know, I used the example, like, hey, what if your company was cutting down trees in California and your tree happened to knock down the power line that blew out the transformer that put California on fire? Right. Oh, yeah, you know, that's my biggest client in California. Yep. <laughs> Could that possibly Could happen? happen? That just threw this weird <laughs> sort of example out there. But you know what? Uh, for those who have been around long enough, Enron. You know, yeah. Enron is the perfect example. It went belly up. It was the number six largest company in the S&P 500. It was the sixth largest U.S. company. It went from high flying to zero, just like that. Yeah, people yeah. have their life savings in there. Uh, and that's just sad. And, and you know, um, I just hate to see that. Yeah, you never want somebody to be all in on something and something happened to that particular company. So that's a great example, yeah. Ryan. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah. So the other thing we do is we customize portfolios. Now, mind you, what we do is we do have portfolio models, mm -hmm. okay, but we'll customize, we use them as guidelines, but for particular clients who may have certain extenuating circumstances, will customize their portfolios because they may be working for a company, as you pointed out. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why they have the company stock and it would be advantageous to keep the company stock. We may customize their portfolio to go around it. Mm -hmm. And the same thing we've also done where people's 401k may have a very small, limited selection. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it really all stems from, I think, someone's conviction in, you know, the holding because I've had people, you know, we're, we're developing a portfolio and it's like, I just want technology stocks. Technology is the future. And, you know, it's a, it's a combination of adequately, you know, having a good amount of technology stocks in there, but making sure you still have the level of diversification because, you know, clients, like you said, you know, if you work for a company for a long time, it's publicly traded, you still want a piece of it, you know, you've been there for a long time, you know how it works, you believe in it. Sure, you can, you know, customize that and get it into your plan, but it's, it, again, diversification folds right back into it. Well, again, it's customizing plans, though, so that what we'll do at times is when we see someone who has a 401k, but they don't have any small caps available, or they don't have international available, or they mm -hmm. don't have technology available. What it enables us to do is to be able to customize their IRA to be able to work around holes that they might have in their right. 401k. Yeah. Or we may customize people's portfolios because they have uh, an affinity 
for or against certain things. They may say, I don't want to have anything to do with any company that is involved in tobacco or right. things along that nature, you know, it's ESG. Right. Yeah. So right. we have the ability to customize portfolios and we do it mm -hmm. all the time for our clients. High income yeah. earners in high tax states, you know, you can find a state with a specific municipal bond fund which doesn't charge you federal interest. Um, so, you know, you find a specific state, you know, California, we've got clients with California. If you find a municipal bond fund in California, it doesn't charge you federal interest or it doesn't charge you, uh, tax you at the state level either. Yeah. So, you right. know, that's another way to provide a huge benefit for right. a client with income. And again, it's customizing portfolios. So that's right. another thing that we do uh, with our portfolios is we will customize the portfolios on behalf of our clients. And, you know, for some clients who may be more risk, uh, riskier, we may find ourselves building the portfolios, and we've done this and we had a conversation with, uh, building the portfolio where they're taking advantage of unique investment strategies, operating on writing covered calls and, and right. things along that nature. Yeah. And I, th I think as we all went through our, our licensing to, to become advisors, one of the things that was kind of drilled into us was there's no one blanket recommendation that suits everybody. Everybody's got their own unique circumstances and situations, and that's why we need to be able to be flexible and customize. And we have models, but we deviate from them, you know, rather frequently to suit individuals' needs. Well, and that's one of the other things. Customizing also comes into account the tax awareness and tax managing portfolios. So oftentimes, uh, particularly with the non-qualified taxable portfolios, we find ourselves having to customize mm -hmm. them whether we receive the assets sometimes with very high uh, embedded capital gains that you have mm -hmm. to work around and things like that. So, you know, again, to your point, we always have to customize. Active management is another thing that we pride ourselves on. Um, I know a lot of advisors will set and forget. Um, to rebalance quarterly, and that's it. Yeah, oh yeah, rebalance quarterly, push the button, rebalance <laughs> quarterly. Um, we believe very heavily in the active management and mm -hmm. I'm going to tie that in to one other concept that was on this list was protection. You know, we believe in protecting our portfolios, protecting mm -hmm. our clients' portfolios because, you know, we focus a lot of our attention on we're willing to give up a little bit of upside to protect on the downside. Right. And because of that, most of our clients feel that way. And so we develop our portfolio, we actively manage our portfolios specifically to be able to address that. So we're up against break. We're gonna pick this up right where we left off talking about the uh, active management and the upside downside piece. So stay tuned, we'll be back with you in just a moment. Have you saved enough for retirement? Are you financially prepared for an emergency or unexpected event? Have you thought about your financial future? Hi, I'm Mike Manager, founder of Manager & Associates Financial Planning. For over 20 years, we have been answering our clients' questions just like these as we develop unique and comprehensive financial plans tailored to meet their needs. When addressing your financial plan, we incorporate your entire financial picture including taxes, estate planning, as well as investment planning and retirement planning.
So call us today for a complimentary, no obligation consultation. A unique approach to financial planning. Welcome back to Financial Planning Explained as we're talking about the investment policy and our philosophy with managing our clients' investments. And where we left off was toggling between active management and the fact that we generally will uh, give up some of the upside to protect on the downside. And specifically, um, what we've done is with our active management on that, what we have found is our portfolios have really done well against the benchmarks mm -hmm. in down markets. Yeah, especially. You know, and so this year has been a down market. <laughs> <laughs> and 2020, during COVID. Right. So, you know, our active management that we've done is we don't base our decisions, our investment decisions on how the market is doing. That's being reactive. Um, we actually try do the best we can to be able to project where the economy is going. We use a lot of different, and this is kind of combined with the research that we do, yeah. but leading economic indicators. What's happening to the dollar? Is it rising or is it dropping? Mm -hmm. What's happening with interest rates, which has been the big thing right. this year, and the impacts. And so uh, it goes back to the diversification again. You know, if interest rates are rising, which investments do you overweight or underweight? Mm -hmm. If um, the dollar's increasing, which investments do you underweight or overweight? And so the other things too that we're looking at is a lot of research driven. Fundamentally, we, we, we base our investment decisions on fundamentals. Ultimately, the value of a stock is based upon the stock's ability to earn money, how much it's gonna grow, as far as its earnings growth, its dividend and its dividend growth. So if there are economic things going on that's gonna cause a company to reduce its earnings, then that's a time to look at pairing back. Now, we don't really get much involved in individual stocks. We will buy stocks if clients want them. Right. But generally speaking, we stay within the world of ETFs and mutual funds because they provide a level of diversification themselves. But again, we actively manage to try to get ahead of the curve. I mean, the whole thing goes back to Wayne Gretzky. Somebody interviewed Wayne Gretzky, said, wow, you know, you're, you're really good. You're, you're always making all these goals. How do you do it? He says, well, I don't go where the puck is. I go where the puck is going to be. Right. And ideally, what we're trying to do is project where things are going based on a variety of economic indicators. Now, go back to the episodes that we've had with Gene Goldman, we've had them with uh, Thomas Bayless, uh, Herb Morgan. Morgan, thank you. <laughs> uh, we, we've had many of these and, and every single time it goes back to the fundamentals. So yeah. you take a look at the active management, what we were able to do during uh, COVID, we really protected our clients from major beatings mm -hmm. during COVID. Yeah. And we've also found all year, we're more so after the first couple months of the year that our standoff policy with our investments, we are extraordinarily conservative mm -hmm. relative to the benchmarks. 
Yeah, you know, it kind of folds back into the fiduciary and customization piece of it because, you know, there are times where, you know, you don't want to be active and take on undue risk, but there are times where you want to be active and you want to take, you want to hit the brake, right? <laughs> because the fundamentals are starting to fall apart and you need to have an active shift to protect your client's assets, especially like you mentioned, where you're managing retirement assets. You have to have, you have to be able to constantly, you know, shift your, not your policy, but your strategic movements around what's going on today and what's going on in the next six months. You know, you don't want to be constantly making changes just to make changes, right. but sometimes they're, they're necessary. And, and our clients, you know, have entrusted us with their, you know, most of the time their life savings. And to sit back and just say, oh, you just got to ride the wave, you know, that doesn't really sit right with me and I don't think it sits right with you guys either. No. There certainly are times where you need to be disciplined and say, yeah, you know, the market's going a little crazy like with Brexit. Um, you know, huge market downturn. It's like, let's let cooler heads prevail. And, you know, by Thursday of that week, I think the markets had rebounded. That's correct. But when it comes to, you know, you know, COVID, you know, a global pandemic's coming, manufacturing shutting down in the manufacturing capital of the world. Hey, let's, let's move some of these assets yeah, to right. safer investments. Exactly. And the same thing's been going on for the past uh, several months. Yeah. You know, we've had the inflation and the inflation has been really bad and the federal government's been raising interest rates rapidly to combat it and they're intentionally trying to slow down the economy well if you're intentionally slowing down the economy do you think it's going to trickle its way into the company's ability to make money and if a company's <laughs> not making money what's going to do to a stock price <laughs> gee no figure so you know right now our, our portfolios are very very defensive oh yeah you know we've got very little in bonds uh, our stocks, we have a lot of uh, breaks on our stocks, we, we have hedged, uh, we have a lot of things going on with the portfolios right now. Right. And that again, is the active management. And, it, and you know, from an active management perspective, you know, our firm, we have meetings every week. You know, we have a, a official meeting every week with our CFA team, and we're reviewing what's going on in the economy, what's happening here, maybe specific questions, you know, how do we combat inflation, what's going on in this particular sector, what happened to yesterday's PMI report, or the, the LEIs, and I, here we go with the alphabet soup, but uh, we're constantly talking about it, and then every month we go into a full morning detail on what's going on with the economy, what's going on with our portfolios, what's going on with each individual investment, but we don't wait every month or every week to be doing things. We're always keeping an eye on things to make sure that we're protecting the clients so that they're doing the best, we're doing the best we can. And again, it goes back to the fiduciary responsibility. So some of the other things is the research and the protection. Okay, well, we're obviously doing the research, making sure that we're looking at the fundamentals. We wanna make sure that um, Fundamentally, we're, we're making investment selections based on the research that we're doing, as well as our CFA team. The protection is recognizing, again, um, upside versus downside. You know, we're willing to forego a little bit of the upside to protect on the downside. Right. You know, trust me, when people's portfolios are going down, they're not very happy about it. So, right. We try to protect from that. And to touch on the research just a little bit, um, you know, you, Mike, write a weekly market recap every week. That's correct. That goes out to our clients to kind of say, hey, and you, you kind of put it more in layman's terms so that the you know, non-sophisticated investor can understand it. But that's us kind of sharing our research and our constant right. 
uh, watch over the economy. And with, communicating to our clients economy. everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so the last couple things is the tax awareness. Um, certainly what we do from an investment perspective is um, we'll take a look at the buckets that the people have their money in, whether it's non-qualified taxable investments, IRAs, which are taxable as they're distributed, or Roth IRAs, which are tax-free. We're constantly evaluating the tax effects of any moves that we make, right. as well as the impacts of making any changes, whereby we don't have any of our, um, our non-qualified assets in, in any, right. we're always manually addressing them because we have to keep an eye on gains, losses, right. short-term, long-term, because it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. And studies have shown that if you're tax aware, if you apply tax management and tax planning to the investment planning, it actually improves your overall investment return. Yeah. You have a bad year like this year, you know, one way to take advantage of it is by harvesting, you know, taxable losses, right? You get a couple mm -hmm. stocks that are down, you can sell them, capture the loss, um, get into something similar or get back into it a month later. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to just tax manage a non-qualified account that can make a huge difference long-term. Yep, absolutely. So we're just about wrapping up on the episode. So the last couple of things that we wanted to point out is that, uh, you know, the time horizon is the single largest component of risk when it comes to investing. And certainly we make sure individual, and here goes again, the customization is that recognize that if you need the money in six months or a year, then you shouldn't be taking risk. But if you don't need the money for 20 or 30 years, you can take more risk. And we apply that time horizon philosophy to each one of their accounts to help them ascertain the level of risk, which again, goes back to the customization with each particular client and also taking into effect the taxes, et cetera, et cetera. And even though we do active management, active management is considered to be tactical changes that we make to portfolios, as opposed to really strategic is we're long-term investors. So we're not looking to try to catch a quick pop. We're not day traders by the furthest thing. And then monitoring is the final piece. And, and that's basically just making sure that it's not set and forget is the term that we hear a lot. We're constantly monitoring our portfolios. We're monitoring what's going on in the economy and we're monitoring a lot of things going on. So um, that's about it. Is there anything you guys want to add about our investment philosophy? No, that's nice. just, you know, it's something that we pay attention to and it's what steers the ship. And Good. We're yeah. able to have the strategic uh, changes in the meantime. Well, that's good. You know, if you have any questions on that, certainly you're welcome to give us a call at the office and we'll be delighted to share. Uh, we have a lot of this on our website and we're also planning on beginning a program of doing uh, investment uh, and e economic updates. And that's something that we're just starting to implement uh, this September, uh, open to the public that we're gonna be doing them. Uh, the next one's coming up at Temple University on September 22nd. So uh, Temple Ambler campus. But anyway, if you're interested, uh, feel free to give us a call at the office and we'll help get you registered for it. So anyway, guys, thanks for your input. Um, once again, talking about our investment philosophy, uh, an important component of financial planning, but it's not an end all because it focuses, it's a piece of the overall planning piece. So uh, for all of you who joined us and made it through, 
appreciate you taking the time and look forward to seeing you again on our next episode of Financial Planning Explained. Thank you again. You have a wonderful day and a good rest of your week.